The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Happy St. Palpatine's Day, everybody! I hope you're enjoying your Darth Vader dark chocolates I got you. Very good, sir. I, I was wondering if you brought the plans for this evening's Death Star meeting. Well, I do have the plans, but I also have this card for you, Grand Moff Tarkin. Please, here you go. Your Majesty, is it really necessary that I open this here? Tarkin, you're the only one I got a card for. Vader doesn't even have a card. Look at him. He's standing there. He's seething. He doesn't have a card. He can't even eat the chocolate. Tarkin, read the card, please. I'm sweet on you. And it's got me with a thumbs up and a smiley face. Look, I drew that. And you've affixed little candies to the card. Yep. I better not see any rappers on the floor in here, by the way. (laughs) All right, let's wrap up this meeting so I can go back to listening to the Dark Times podcast. Uh, Hello and welcome to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite uh, lovey-dovey Cupid. And I'm Stephen, your favorite flummoxed moth. Oh, well, hello. Welcome back, Stephen. How was your, you know, you had a break. How was your break? Do you mean, do you mean the new release schedule? Yeah, the new release. Well, how are you enjoying it so far? Oh, it's, it's actually quite nice. Uh, well, I, I wish I could say I've enjoyed it more. Work has really picked up lately. So it's, it's like my podcasting time has been replaced with working time. And th- th- that's a net loss, I would say. But um, it does allow me to focus on, on what's immediately important. So that's, that's all right. That's pretty good. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. Um, Stephen, what are we talking about this week? Uh, you had a vague as shit kind of crummy idea for an episode, <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm a producer, damn it. You fucking, you're the podcaster podcast. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I think I managed to to inflate this into something of, of virtue, much like the, the purple gorilla atop your local used car sales lot. Oh my gosh. I, I, I think I managed to, to make something of this. So I want to talk about campaign planning. You brought up a specific strength of Swissy Sam that I think we should highlight in this episode that, that makes campaign planning quite easy. But I wanted to take a step back and, and start with the basics. I, I think we're, we're not going to cover everything behind campaign planning today, but I think a good place to start is organizing your ideas. Sam, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but like game masters are ideas machines. You read posts from aspiring and career game masters online you see that these people literally have more ideas than they can usually implement. And I think the organization of ideas, at least in my experience, organizing my ideas has been the key to a successful campaign because it kind of turns all this bright, sparkly mush in my head into real, uh, concrete, executable ideas at the table. And you do that by typing random concepts into ChatGPT? Is that how it works? You know, I'm sure you could do that. If if you're looking to run a campaign, you know, devoid of, of original thought, rationale, creativity, and human problem solving, you could let a text string generator make your campaign for you. I'm sure that would work out fine, but just fine. I think a good key to campaign planning is choosing a theme. We've talked a lot about themes lately on the show, Sam. We actually just exhumed and re-crucified uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Joseph Campbell in the, the last episode of The Dark Times. That was fun. We should yeah. start crucifying more people on this podcast. Yeah. Do you want to do Georgie next? Oh, uh, then J.J. Abrams afterward. Just oh, fucking like, actually, it should look like a scene out of Fallout New Vegas when we're done. <laughs> Hail Caesar, oh, baby. Yeah, let's do J.J. first, actually. <laughs> George can watch in horror. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Good thing I never messed up Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, George! Did we t- did we not tell you? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, oh, a, a theme. If if you remember your high school English classroom, a theme is what the story's about, or a a major motif of a story emphasized in its message, or you know, its its moral. To to put it very simplistically. You know, shit like Aesop's fables has very clear themes and and takeaways. But, you know, more complex stories, the kinds of stories you want to be telling at your table, of course, can have multiple themes of varying complexity. And they can even vary between, you know, audience members, in this case, your players. You know, I think a great campaign has different things that different players take away from it because they're ultimately playing different characters and have unique perspectives of their own and through their character to put it simply. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was, that was the short answer. Let's get to the long one. Now something that when I'm a, when I'm game mastering, I, I drift quite a bit. And when I say that I drift quite a bit, I mean that I start with a solid set of ideas. And then as the months, sometimes even years go by, the focus of the campaign unintentionally changes. What do you, wait, 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 wait. So you mean for zero distance, we weren't supposed to be on a hex crawl for two months? Maybe not for two months, but the hex crawl was always <laughs> part of it. Your hex crawl propaganda strikes again, <laughs> Stephen. Um, in, in fact, I'm going to read a couple things from my my game Bible uh, the, and the, the original setting guide you received, Sam, that I, I hope will, will, will make a lot of that make a bit more sense in retrospect. I think it's on the Patreon also, right? It should be. Yes. Nice plug. Yeah. You know, cha-ching. A kaboom goes the dynamite. Patreon plug number one. Put that on the screen. Number one. And it's natural to drift as a game master because you are constantly influenced and re-influenced by your favorite ideas from new shows that come out. Maybe you read a book that rocks your world unconsciously, unless you're following a strict script, in which case you're not really game mastering. Your campaign will evolve and change naturally from the original vision you had. And that's okay. That's you, you can't prevent that. And you probably don't want to either. You don't want to run a campaign. So imagine the changes and things you learn in, in a year. You don't want to exclude your storytelling from all of the wonderful things you pick up as you go along in life, right? So I recommend getting a couple phrases, maybe a paragraph or less of just what is the campaign about? You know, what are the players doing? What will happen to them? What are they trying to do and who will stop them from doing it? I wanted to be very transparent with my players about the sort of challenges they would face because up front, my campaign was meant to be very, very challenging. So I'll just read a couple sentences that are included in my in my setting guide here. Uh, Wait, can I say really quick? Yeah, what's up? Zero distance is challenging. I, I don't think I had a single session where a ship 
came out with more than half health. <laughs> you know, like those starship encounters were fucking encounters, man. And that's good. And I'm I'm glad to hear it. That's great feedback for me because that's pretty much the exact difficulty I wanted to to enact in the in the campaign. Uh, and it's it's wonderful to see it, you know, flourish. And it, the the diverse challenges you guys face now also feel challenging in in new and different ways, which is is just a delight. Reading from my setting guide, the party will come face to face with the full breadth of threats available in this system. Expect hostile militaries, clandestine intrigue, and forces of nature to descend upon the party throughout the campaign, oftentimes in conjunction with one another. Sam, would you feel that this is an accurate description of of what you face in ZD so far? Absolutely. Great. Additionally, the party should expect daring dogfights in deep space, the fraught political atmosphere of an organized insurrection, and the harsh environments of distant worlds. These phrases are important and both start separate paragraphs in the setting guide because they represent two things. They are contracts with my players. I'm being transparent about the sort of things that they're going to face. This is why I gave my party this document before our session zero. This was my description of what the campaign was going to feature and, you know, the characteristics of these threats. I did not put stat blocks down. I did not say exactly what sorts of enemies, when and how. I gave a very broad kind of strokes of what the party can expect. So, you know, when they're stranded on a jungle world in a, you know, torrential downpour and stuck in the mud, they can say, hey, wasn't this a, a starfighter campaign? Like, what? where's the fucking TIE fighters, man? <laughs> and I can point back to the sending guide and say, well... TIE Fighters were one part of the things I said you would face. I also said you would face the forces of nature. Also, they're fucking screaming across the cavern right now, coming for your ass. Yeah, I you get better it. duck and cover. Don't worry, listener. I gave them TIE Fighters. Don't don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I like this because you know what this does, Stephen? This, this, to make it a pretty metaphor, that you've picked out your colors for this painting. Precisely. You've presented the palette to the party. and You said, this is what I'm going to use. And we were like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Sam, I think that's an excellent uh, way to put it. And and it's it's right. It's it's not just setting the setting, but it's also setting the expectations uh, for the party, which we've discussed countless times are crucial to having a, a not just enjoyable campaign, but one that lasts. It's all about getting players to come back, right? <laughs> I fucking, I hope so. Otherwise, those GMs on RPG horror stories aren't doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Kind of what I'm getting at is is design a mission statement for your campaign. A mission statement for a, a company or organization is is a lot like this. It's a unifying, course-correcting measure for everyone to look up at and be like, wait, what the fuck are we doing again? This is <laughs> more important than it sounds for game mastering because you will drift. Your mind is not the same as it was when you first thought of this campaign six months ago. That's a good thing. And it's important to design a campaign that grows with you and the players. Decide where does a campaign begin? Uh, when will it end? What sort of things will you use to motivate the party? Will it be the threat of violence? Will it be the promise of treasure? Will it be both? Is it is it liberation for themselves, for their loved ones, for the galaxy? You know, who will try to stop them? What will try to stop them? What are the means by which these villains will try to stop them. You know, what is the zeitgeist and what is the state of the galaxy that surrounds the party? These are all questions you should be able to answer in four or five sentences about your campaign before you even, you know, start designing encounters. What have we seen in every module 
we've covered on this show is a, a good four to five sentence paragraph that gives you the who, what, when, where, why, and holy shit, how. <laughs> exactly. I want to go back on something I said. You can design encounters before you decide what a campaign is about. That's actually a fine way to do it. We've talked about game Bibles before, compiling your own collection of pre-designed, ready-to-go generic encounters. That's Do, do that. Um, but I guess I more meant, you know, make sure you have this down, written down and understood by yourself before you go asking for time commitments from other people. Definitely have this done before you start running those encounters. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good, that's probably the better way to put it. Absolutely. This uh, unique strength that you, you were talking about earlier today, Sam, was, you know, Swissy a la carte. You know, a unique strength of the system is that it was designed to be ran with only a small handful, maybe three or four source books at a time, along with the core rulebook. Of course, this isn't really how I don't think anyone runs Swissy these days. You know, it's Swissy is often accessed in archival formats these days, and most people get the whole sum of the Swissy experience. In other words, like an omnibus format. You probably don't need to strictly limit yourself to three to four books and say, look, Players, we are only pulling talents and feats and themes and vehicles from these books only. Ignore everything else. In the days of the internet, well, they had internet back then, but, you know, not like how we're using it for Swissy now. It's almost hard to cut out information from certain source books. I can't go on the Swissy wiki and only look at content for the Rebellion Era campaign guide. I mean, I can, but it's not nearly as convenient as, you know, looking at everything all at once. And, you know, I would hate to be the player who finds a talent that they're really excited about only to realize like, oh shit, it's from the legacy era campaign guy. I can't use this. What a bummer. Like, wouldn't that just be sad? Broken as hell anyway. Exactly. If it's from legacy, (laughs) they probably don't need it anyway, but you understand my point. Still, you should select three to four books that are your, you know, source books for your campaign. I, I, I don't want to say core books because there's already one of those. Um, but the example I keep going back to with my Starfighter Squadron campaign, Zero Distance, is at the beginning, I picked up Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, Starships of the Galaxy, and Galaxy at War. You know, these are no-brainer picks for the kind of campaign I was trying to run. And every time I'm feeling uninspired, guess what? I Go pick one of those up, thumb through it a little bit. I'm reminded of a cool weapon or adventure or scenario or stat block. And bam, the juices are flowing again, just like that. Any thoughts? No, you're right. I know. I 100%. <laughs> no, 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 thoughts. No, no, no. <laughs> no thoughts at all. No thoughts in my brain. No, I. it's good. And I, I very much enjoy. Those are great source books, by the way. That's a good, Thank you. Thank you. It's hard not to also throw Galaxy of Intrigue in there because I know I know we love Galaxy of Intrigue. We're all so oh, we're always using Galaxy of Intrigue, baby. Let's let's be real. Like Galaxy of Intrigue <laughs> is required to run this game well. Let's let's be perfectly honest. Guy who just discovered skill challenges. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but like a, a recent example, you know, I was stumped for how like obviously I wanted a secret underwater base on Varn. But I didn't know exactly how I wanted to execute that. And I was sitting here scratching my head, popped open Galaxy of War, was reminded about battle stations. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's right. We have these. There's a whole toolkit here for me to make this encounter. And it was easy. Heck, yeah. There's a whole episode about it, too. It's true. We did a big review of that encounter. Probably my best, like, effort to impact ratio encounters in terms of, like, 
not a lot of effort it, it took me to, to say it like Yoda, I guess. <laughs> it didn't take me a lot of effort to make that encounter, but the impact it had on the party and the, the, the length of time they were talking about it afterwards, plus the, the ways that the party was challenged and got to showcase their abilities, uh, fucking amazing for the relatively little amount of work I had to put in. Electrified the floors were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, there's also like the, the Battle of Ryloth or, you know, Siege of Ryloth encounter, which literally took me weeks to put together and had a massive impact on the party. Like one that we still talk about to this day, largely because it was highlighted by a player death and um, fold space being cast on a, on a T4B tank. Two things that I don't think anyone could ever forget. That encounter <laughs> took me weeks and had a massive impact. But like I cannot make an encounter that intricate, that impactful for every session and and you you can't either unless you like don't have a job <laughs> <laughs> oh man there is a clear difference between encounters and you know this sam i'm sure you do there's a stark difference between encounters i designed when i was unemployed versus encounters i designed when i had a nine to five <laughs> it's like night and day yeah that's fair it's yeah. really funny but that's going to be true for everyone. I hope so. Sam, you you pitched an interesting theme for me tonight. Uh, you wanted to design the the groundwork for a campaign according to a theme. And the theme you picked was for the greater good. And you italicized it in Discord. So I knew that you really meant it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you know. Yeah. That's how you know. Yeah. Well, I've been listening to... I'm going to plug this podcast because it's really good. Yeah, please do. It's called It's called Going Rogue, and it's a podcast about the production of Rogue One. They also do cover Solo and some other things as well. Mm. Super great. Go check it out. I know. <laughs> well, okay. Regardless of how you feel about the movies, the the stories behind the production of those movies is very interesting. Yes, of course. Um, and it talks about how the sort of theme for Rogue One became towards like the editing process, not even while filming became a uh, sacrifice. And I was like, okay, I like this. So I, I was thinking like, Oh, this is our theme here is going to be for the greater good. And like, what does that mean as a dungeon master? What does that mean as a player, as a game master rather? Uh, you wrote a little blurb here that I really like. I, I blurbed. I blur. You know me. I, I tend to blurb here and there. It's it's. I'm a well He's documented a blurber. blurber. Yeah, I blurb here, blurb there, blurb this, blurb that. Let's blurb it on. Yeah. So you you pitched me this theme, and you know the gears started turning, and I'm I'm a consummate storyteller, Sam. Obviously, it's it yeah. Just, take him to fucking shut up about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> li- literally just the best at it. So. I sat down for, I, I, I ate my dinner, sipped my water and, and just kind of let, let my imagination roam. And, and this was, you know, my three to five sentences on what campaign pitch and themes I thought of for the greater good. So I'm going to play, I'm going to put some, there's going to be some, some Star Wars music underneath this. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Oh cool. yeah. Something nice. Can, can you get that composer? I really hate uh, that, that YouTube one who does like the epic remixes. No, he, you're not allowed to use his stuff and thing anything at all. Wait, really? I was going to for our Christmas stuff. Yeah, but yeah, he's like, you can't use this for podcasts. You can use it for videos, but you can't use it for podcasts. What's with the beef on the audio format? The destruction and crash of the Star Destroyer Polarity above the humble planet Ixon has left the local ecosystem in peril. Rivers have become flammable. The air slowly corrodes metal and skin alike and roaming imp survivors prey on locals. 
Ixon has only one spaceport across the perilous Ketchy Dunes and through the Long Dark, a dense, unexplored jungle. The party, whether locals of Ixon or recent castaways, must work together towards the greater good, or die trying. I like this, because in my mind, when I pitched you the greater good, in my mind it was the greater good against the Empire, you know? Of course. But this is definitely, you've taken this, uh, like, the man versus environment route, which I really like. Survival. I'm glad you like that, because I, you know me, we all know the kind of campaign Swissy lends itself to. Shoot the bad guys. It's literally a subheader in the game mastering section of the core rulebook. Like, and don't forget th- shoot the bad guys. Yeah, and that's what we're here to do. What does the median Star Wars RPG player want to do? We talk about it all the time. Shoot stormtroopers. Like it, it's <laughs> it's not a it's not a it's not a problem. Nor is it surprising that people show up to the Star Wars RPG to want to do the things that you do in Star Wars, which typically involves shooting stormtroopers. Look at every Star Wars story. What are we doing? We're shooting at stormtroopers or their like spiritual predecessors. That those are the those are the two <laughs> two things we can do. Guys, guys, shoot at the guys in the white plasteel armor. That 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 is one of the like three main things Star Wars is supposed to be about. Sometimes the armor is red though. Sometimes it's red, and honestly, it looks cool when it's uh, not cast aside uh, and for only promotional material, and actually appears in the film. <laughs> what do you mean that cost me two thousand credits in Battlefront Two, you bastard? <laughs> Those cosmetics were not cheap, Stephen. <laughs> and it's the longest portrayal of the Sith trooper in sequel media. <laughs> so there. Oh man. So. <laughs> We all understand the typical story in a Star Wars campaign, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's amazing, and it's easy to run this system in a story where you shoot the bad guys, typically the Empire. I love to explore more atypical approaches on the podcast, as we always strive to do. And this was a time when I wanted to do that. I was like, okay, yes, greater good. Sam is clearly baiting some sort of you know, against all odds, you know, fight some martyr rebels, dog shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some very, very obvious, very classic, like us against the empire, you know, maybe we're a found family and we have, you know, no weapons or means to speak of, but we are carried to victory through our faith in each other and freedom or whatever. That's fine. It's been done. What about a desperate situation in a isolated part of the galaxy where the traditional barriers between enemies have to be dissolved or overcome for the survival of everyone? You know, what is learned when we're put up in a situation with the people we hate the most where cooperation is required or death is inevitable? These are also themes that tie into the greater Star Wars story. But having a small, more isolated crisis that is not a gung-ho galaxy-spanning adventure is less common in Star Wars. And Swissy is an opportunity to tell a story like that. So that's kind of what was going through my mind when I cooked this up. Sam, why don't we pick out some source books that would be our like main three or four for this campaign? I've already got one picked out, but I want to see what you think. Can I guess the one you have picked out? Yes. Is it Unknown Regions? Of course. It's my favorite one. This was not a hard so guess. Good. It's literally, it's so good. Heck yeah. Is there a specific 
because the way I thought about this episode would be talking about a source book, talking about what that what specifically in that source book that would lend well to this sort of campaign. Yes. And then moving on either to another story beat or to the next source book. Yeah. So what in Unknown Regions, what's like, oh man, you got, if you're looking, if you crack open the Unknown Regions source book, you got to read this part. Like, what is it for It's got to be environmental hazards, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've, I've described a hazardous world full of dangerous nature. The Unknown Regions book is an excellent place to start. It does give you that sort of section for creating new hazards. Yes. Which is pretty sweet. So making your own, and we've done this on the podcast before. We love doing it. Making your own hazards is really cool. Oh, it's so cool. And we love, we love doing it. Most recently we did the uh, mag crane, Sam, you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. How could I forget? Also featured in the Unknown Region source book is creating new beasts. Yes, something that is often overlooked. Exactly. So I mean, like, I mean, okay, you can reskin a Rancor however many times you want. It's still a Rancor. Like, that's, your players might think that's cool, and you might get away with it for a while, but there's nothing like making your own creature to fucking yoink people into the swamp. I love it. I just come on, like it's such a good idea. Like, just do it. Just come on. It's also it's really easy to do. We love a swamp. We've done it on the show. Also, we yeah. love the, not the old Ixon Swamp Yonki. Oh, man. That's watch, great. Watch that bad gloop. <laughs> you worry about that bad gloop. I'll get the Yonki. <laughs> oh, my God. OK. OK. I've got this. I've got the next story beat. We've got the group of locals encounter the remnants of these Imperials. They're like, oh shit, these guys are Imperials. We'll take them back to the spaceport and we're going to keep them prisoner there. Maybe sell them to the rebellion or whatever. They might have information the rebellion might like Mm -hmm. because it's a more remote planet. They don't care as much about Imperial presence. The Imperials that weren't here before, Nothing's going to change just because some crashed here. Right. So what they do is you've got your group of Imperial remnants, and this could be a couple party members as well. And you've got your, your Ixon locals, maybe they're old settlers. They're, they come out here and they grow stuff in the, in the marshes that only they can grow here. And you've got like a leader of these local Ixon folks. The, the leader gets yoinked by a, a marsh sploinky. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, shit, now it's even ground. There's no leadership. What do we do? And now the goal is survive. But there's still uneasiness and and mistrust between the two groups. And that's when I pitch you our second source book for this campaign, Galaxy of Intrigue. Ah, very good. Sam. A a wise and and, uh, certainly proven choice. But why exactly did you pick it? Well, so the skill skill challenges, as we talked about before, skill challenges are a must mm-hmm. in this session. And I think Galaxy of Intrigue has a lot of good notes on actually doing sort of mystique and misdirection in these sort of campaigns. Like I need the webs it. we weave. I, I need it for sure. I'm not good <laughs> at writing mysteries uh, or, or spying or intrigue. Uh, this book makes it really easy to figure out how the fuck that's done. I still learn every day. Also, is... is um organizations are, are there organ is the, the organization system is not unique to this book, right? 
Uh, There's just extra organizations in this book. Force Unleashed introduces organizations. Galaxy at War expands oh. upon it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Galaxy of War expands upon organizations as well. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you're here for skill challenges. You're here for the section on intrigue, uh, camp and on intrigue encounters and campaigns and stuff like that. It's super great. Okay, Steven. So we've got our party, which is comprised of NPCs from both sides and Imperial remnants and also locals of the Ixon people, perhaps farmers, hunters, stuff like that. So like you said, they have to go across the perilous catchy dunes and through the long dark, a mm-hmm. dense unexplored jungle. I'm trying to decide what I what I want to pick here. I have a couple. I know it's hard. Uh, yeah, right? Hard. I want to run this campaign for one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. That's the whole point of the episode is to get people excited about it. I think there's a few ways you could take this. I know. I, I I'm I'm thinking. I think we're on the same wavelength. Um, let's try one. So if our party eventually makes it to the sole spaceport on Ixon, you know what? How do you how do you get out of a CD spaceport? In Star Wars, well, of course, you've got to hire. Oh, I like this. I like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you've got to hire help. And what sort of help is stationed on backwater spaceports? Well, some of you may be familiar with a famous hub of They're scum. And- <laughs> <laughs> Scavengers and droids, obviously, Steve. That's what, that's what you were talking about, right? You know, Sam, I don't think you could have nailed the comedic timing on that any better. I'm talking about scum and villainy. Obviously, awesome. if you if you are a destitute, uh, abandoned imperial officer up to your neck in in caked mud, if you are a backwater, perhaps you know illiterate uh, mung root farmer on you know oh no mung beans are a real thing, uh, bung root farmer on a <laughs> on a remote planet. <laughs> You're not going to enter the greater galaxy, you know, on on marble steps. You're not going they're not going to roll out the red carpet for you. You are likely going yeah. to need to get familiar with the seedier underground, underhanded parts of the galaxy before you can, you know, reach a place of safety and stability. I'm imagining that our party meets up with perhaps a cabal of smugglers looking to take advantage of the desperate situation. Uh, on uh, on Exxon here, or maybe pirates, slavers. It can be anything. Oh, yeah. all right. I like this. Since we had a prominent figure in the community die, get yoinked by a yoinker. Oh, I thought you meant like the Swissy community. I was like, no. what are you talking about? I mean, of like of the Exxon people. Yeah, yes, like yes, of yes. this of this planet. Maybe there's a power vacuum. Certainly, and all the all the CD types start bubbling up to the top trying to get make their way and and take the spaceport for their own cuz they want to, everyone wants to be the next point of deer right everyone of wants course. to be the next point of deer you you're not going to do it sorry you're not in a comment i don't tell you everyone <laughs> wants to be the next point of deer <laughs> so fucking funny things i i love about this Kevin villainy book by the way yes. let's talk about you you can't not include outlaw tech the yes. idea of getting a dude or having a dude be a specialist in making your weapons more versatile for the environment or for the situation. It's super great. And then upgrade points are always fun like that as well. Outlaw tech is badass. Weapon modifications are badass and seem to fit a campaign where it's going to be pretty scrappy. You're, you're going to be you're going to be welding shit together out there on Exxon. You know, no one gets through the catchy dunes without, you know, welding a few blasters together. 
I, I want to play like the young director Krennic type who's like, I'm so, I'm up to my shins in mud now. Like, what the, what am I going to do? Like, oh, I'll just ask this guy to take, I demand him to take me back to the core worlds and like getting your shit rocked because you're an imperial snob and your power means nothing out here. I love it. That's yep. the character I want to play in this campaign. <laughs> uh, another thing that the Scum and Villainy book has that I really enjoy, perhaps you need capital to hire these mm-hmm. sort of scum and villainous types. What do you do? Well, you go find a bounty and the bounty generator is super fun. Just fucking roll D twenties. Oh, I love it. And, and it's, it's such a good table. And then it's like, Oh, well we got to do a few bounty jobs in order to find or get enough capital to where our Imperial status isn't like, cause otherwise they're like, Oh no, I don't it take more money than you're worth to let me help an Imperial, you know, like, Oh, I'm not going to get hired by an Imperial. They're just going to turn me in afterwards. If nobody got me amount of money, if nobody got me, I know bounty generator got me. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. I mean, I just, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good part of the source book. It is. It is uh, mirrored effectively in galaxy Wars mission generator as well. That is also a dessert. Hell yeah. I mean, let's just do a quick look at it because I think, I think we've covered it before, but I really like the different like bounties that you can do. Oh yeah. Why is Han Solo on here? Well, you know, if you roll, if you're very unlucky, (laughs) you might get a a heroic character, but there's stuff and it doesn't have to be things like you don't have to be turning them into like a lawful, a, a court of law or anything like that. It could just be to a guild trying to get back at their own or anything of that. Like, Right. So like assault and battery, uh, corruption, espionage, kidnapping, murder, piracy, smuggling, terrorism, trafficking, treason. I, I just love it. And then and, and there's also what's great about this section is it does give you individual stats for each type of target. So like, yeah, you could make it whatever you want, but it's got like, oh, here's the here's the stat block right here. It's a CL8, Human Scoundrel 7, Master Privateer 1. Awesome. That's super helpful for this sort of thing. Seriously. And as as always, you know, if, if you're running a campaign like this, make sure you roll these ahead of time and have them as options for the players. Uh, it won't help your CL5 players to go up against Han Solo. I'm just going to tell them. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I rolled it on the table. You got to oh, find Han double Solo Double nat 20s. Now. You got to find Han Solo for treason. And since he's not on this planet, uh, you're stuck here forever. Campaign over. That's a that's a total player bore out, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Han Solo is only CL12 and Chewbacca is listed among his affiliations. Well, that's true. Is Jabba listed among his affiliations as well? Doesn't seem to be. The fringe is, though. No, that's fair. He's, a, he's, a, he's affiliated with the concept. <laughs> <laughs> How can Chewbacca's CL10, by the way? What the fuck? Oh, what? You think he should be stronger? I think Chewbacca should be stronger. He's like, lived longer, that's for sure. <laughs> Dude fucking fought with Master Yoda at the Battle of Kashyyyk. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> fucking hell. Damn it, George. My power scaling. (laughs) (laughs) He promptly attaches himself to Han Solo and follows him everywhere, becoming Solo's closest friend and sometimes conscious. (laughs) His conscience? That's so good. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you're right, buddy. You're right. He's not worth it. He's (laughs) not worth it. 
That's so good. That's a great concept. So we've got our campaign, Sam. We're uh, we're destitute and and lost on the the ruined world of Ixon, and we've got the Scum and Villainy book. We've got the Unknown Regions book, and we've got the Galaxy of Intrigue to to guide us. That's wow. That was way easier than I expected it to be, Stephen. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> It's like I did all the work. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, no, whoa, whoa. Kidding, right, it's one paragraph. I did all the work, you guys. Fucking yeah. okay, Tony Gilroy. Chill what, out. What's uh what's audio editing, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Dude, the curse and I'm gonna listeners in on this as well. The curse of being an audio editor is you could now always hear when something isn't edited. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. As a quick refresher before we go to the break. We've got unknown regions. You have creating hazards, creating beasts. Uh, Explorers gear is really good as well. You've got the galaxy of intrigue. You've got skill challenges. You've got factions. You've got uh, making intrigue campaigns, uh, you know, complicated stories, complicated motivations for characters and a lot of not necessarily a party getting along, but a party putting that aside for the greater good. Our third book, Scum and Villainy. You've got the Bounty Generator. You've got Outlaw Tech. You've got equipment upgrades. And you've got a scummy dude to take you off world <laughs> for a price. <laughs> All righty. That, that was pretty good, Stephen. Maybe we'll do something to help a little cherry on top for this episode for the next half. Let's send you guys to the break. Steven. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> What up, Sam? What? What? It's, were you, what were you? it's the break. Oh my god! Do you think the listeners had enough of a break of a break from us? No, I think they're desperate and cloying for more. Cloying? Oh, is that a word? why would you say it like that? Yeah, cloying is a word. I don't know if it's the right word for this, but it's it's a word for sure. Stephen, how can people support the show? People can support the show by giving us a listen. Which, hey, if you can hear my voice, you already are. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> um, the, no, but seriously, uh, the fact that people take time out of their very busy days to include us as part of it, it just means the world to us. We put a lot of effort, love, tears, sweat, and other bodily fluids into the show so you don't have to. What do I mean by that? I mean that we're extremely grateful for your listenership, and it's the number one way to show us that you give a damn about the show. So, hey, thanks a ton. Uh, the second easiest way to support the show is pop on over to our Patreon. This is largely a functional tip jar with extra bits. We are entirely listener funded. We we depend entirely on listener donations to stay on the air. And let me tell you, hey, it's not cheap. Not cheap to be a podcast. They might tell you anyone can do it. And boy, is that true. Sam and I are living proof of that. But <laughs> it does require... Anyone can do it, but not anyone can do it for free, baby. Yeah. <laughs> It does require some capital to keep it moving, but more importantly, and perhaps even more impactful, it requires time away from our, our, our jobs that give us money to record this stuff. So there, there is an opportunity cost to doing this for us, but hey, we love doing it because we love Swissy and we love you, dear listener. Uh, three months of patronage on our Patreon gets you a free sticker with the D20 Cron Dark Times logo, and hey, you might want to get on that soon if you're considering it because it might change and Go away forever. What, what? Whoa, the logo might change? The logo might or change. The- Some big changes coming to, to the Dark Times after episode 100, as I'm sure you've heard. 
And the logo might be part of that. So if you want the D20 Cron as it is now, then, you know, maybe get after it. And similarly, the $10 tier gets you the t-shirt and sticker after three months of patronage at that tier. And again, that is something that may change. It, it will change, dear listener, uh, in the coming weeks. So now might be your time to get that. Uh, there's some extra special goodies coming to the Patreon, including the long-fabled, long-delayed Dark Times module. Uh, and hold on, Sam. Did you did you switch up the, the cue cards again? Oh, yeah. This one's upside down. Okay, but but like I can still read it. Is that right? Do we have movie commentary on the Patreon? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know it. You know for, it. For for Ewoks, a caravan of courage, also known as an Ewok adventure, a caravan of courage, also known as a caravan of courage, an Ewok adventure. A movie that was so incredible, we had to give you the surgery to make you forget it every week, so that <laughs> every time we do this break, you remember again. Yeah. Um. Uh, um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some sort of liquid leaking out of my ears, Sam. Mmm, liquid. Patreon's there for you to express your support and keep us on the air. There will be Patreon content to come, including the Dark Times module and... And our special first ever video content. Video content, that's going to be up there in probably days, if not weeks time. I don't know, that's that's on Sam. <laughs> I haven't... I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I've I wish I've put more work into it than I have, but I have not. It's I'm I'm dreading starting, but I know once I start, it's going to be super easy. Uh, that, that's such that's such how it is. It's the thing you build it up in your mind, and then you sit down and do it, and you're like, oh, it's kind of it's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> not to mention, I, I'm trying. I'm in talks with my producer. Hopefully, another round of movie commentary because I really enjoyed recording it, and, and I think you guys liked it too. So doing that again, absolutely. Would be fun. Speaking of supporting the Patreon, a special shout out to Zloy Krolik for upgrading his uh, Patreon donation to $10 a month. Zloy, thank you so much. That was unexpected, wonderful thing of you to do. Thank you for your endless over outpouring of support for us always. The way he said it on the Discord made you worried. I was a little worried. Because <laughs> he said, like, despite this episode, I'm upping my Patreon. <laughs> that was that was the episode where we re-crucified Joseph Campbell for like the 300th time in, in his post life. And I was like, OK, this is very different from our, our normal episode. This has a harder edge. And I was like talking to Sam. I was like, is he mad at us? Like, did he hate it? That, was it that bad? <laughs> if you think the show is bad, let us know. <laughs> if you think the show is great. Awesome. I'd rather hear that. But we will take criticism where we can get it because we're all human. You know, we're all trying to figure things out. I'm not, we're not monoliths of podcasting. I am. Steven is. And Steven, that's why he's got the soapbox. That's why he has it. Yes. I don't get a soapbox because I'm not a monolith. Once you get a monolith status, you get a soapbox. Let's send <laughs> you guys back to the show. <laughs> Steven. What up? I left this part of the of the schnotes blank. I noticed that. I was curious as to what you had planned. Because we didn't know what it was going to be until we did the first half of the show. And now that we do know what it's going to be, I would like to kind of kit bash piecemeal uh, what a sort of climactic encounter for this campaign or the sort of one shot style, maybe a, a set of sessions could look like. And I do like the idea of finding <coughs> finding the bounty and confronting the bounty and bringing the bounty in 
preferably alive. Okay. To to claim the reward. Okay. Do you want to roll on the bounty table and see what comes up? You know, yes, I would actually love that. I'm already I'm already formulating an encounter in my head as we speak. I practically have the the CL calculations down, but I, I do. Let, let's throw in a random twist here. Why don't you go ahead and roll that for us, Sam? Do you have a D twenty? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. Let me, let me okay, pull up the bounty table. Though. I have the stat block picked out. Yeah, go go ahead and go ahead and roll it. Pull up my special. Oh, that's a nice one. D like twenty. Very good. Oh, very pretty. Isn't that nice? Yeah. 14. All right. We've got an imp officer wanted for piracy. Oh, I like this. Oh, wait, this is great. Oh, Steven. This is so good. Steven, you know why this is good? Why? Because we never specified how long the mem- the crash took place ago. So this, this, this is a variety. This is a wild card. This could now be- you see. <laughs> this could be an existing imp who came to this place. I, I, I like, I feel like we're taking a lot of alphabet squadron uh, vibe notes this episode. I don't know if you feel the same way. Only every day of my life. Sam. <laughs> my last name might as well be quell. <laughs> Man. One of the characters in alphabet squadron is a, a defector of the rebellion. And what he does is he goes to some random place and he claims to be the, like the, he's like, Oh, I'm protecting this place in name of the rebellion. So you guys need to pay me. I don't know if you, I don't remember the character's name, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's like his backstory. I like the idea of on Ixon was an Imperial defector who turned to piracy before this Imperial crash happened. And so now there's like, it's like he's already notorious in the area for being a pirate and for being ex-imperial. Fancies himself a local warlord. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. You know what this, you know what I think this needs, Stephen? What? I think this needs like a parrot, like poetry at rhymes, a parallel to Luke's X-Wing coming out of the swamp. We have a TIE fighter. A lone TIE fighter coming out of the swamp and flying low, and that's part of the combat? Very cool. Do we like that? Or is that insane, or do we like that? (laughs) Vehicles are are pretty extreme. I was going to keep it a little more textbook. Do you want to hear me out here? Yeah, let's hear it. Our core encounter is a well-known bread and butter. Imperial officer boss a pair of stormtroopers operating an E-Web, and a single heavy stormtrooper with a rocket launcher. And all their armor is all like old and decrepit. And all their armor is old and decrepit and shit. I love it. I love it. And this is the twist. Halfway through the encounter, when, you know, maybe, maybe things are roughly balanced on either side, Nexu Beast. Ooh, one of the creatures from the marsh arises. A third party that is hostile to both sides of the encounter, making it officially a three by three free for all. Nice, nice. And I can see this because this is, I don't know, I don't know why, but Ixon to me, I was getting like kind of Vietnam War, like swampy, mucky we fucking hate it here it sucks yes the people who live here don't really like it either but they've survived and it's you got these all these prim proper imperials who are like i don't know how to fucking survive in a swamp so we've got 
difficult terrain. We've got swim checks. We've got maybe like boats, like like little like rafts that can move back and forth along the through the difficult terrain. Oh, and, you know, just take give the jungle hazards page a visit and, you know, cover your eyes, throw a dart and, and use it. We got insect swarm, swamp gas, tainted supplies, carnivorous plants, deadly carnivorous plants. <laughs> All right. Let me run those through the test really quick, Stephen. Uh, Stephen. Welcome to the jungle. We've got insect swarms. We've got everything you like, especially insect swarms. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. I do like the idea of finding, what was it, infected supplies? What was it? Was it? Yeah, infected supplies or tainted supplies. Tainted supplies. I love it. This is, these are great. These are great things that you can throw in this encounter. Man. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I want to play this so bad. Yeah, right? <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> so let's run back the encounter design checklist real quick just to make sure that we've got everything. Oh, he's pulling it out. It's always important to to check ourselves against this. So, rule of six. Place all your enemies at least six squares away from each other. Not hard to do when you've got a miscellaneous imp, imp officer and e-web. Keep those separate. But within line of sight, to do what, Sam? Uh, buff. Buff. Specifically with yeah. the Imperial officer's trust talent. To yes, give that e-web give an standard extra action. attack. Oh, it's so good. Give it a Make it a large action. area. It's not hard to make a 30 by 30 swamp map, and you can go and just buy one on drive-thru RPG for less than a coffee. Maybe it's like a maybe his 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 criminal den is like a bayou, like a, yes. a swamp house on sticks. You know what I'm talking yes. about? It's oh, made out of yeah. like conglomerated parts of TIE fighters and ATSTs. Yes. Of oh, and, we, and then we've got We've got airboats made from ties, uh, from tie wings. There you go. There you go. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so good. Covers easy. Oh my God. It's so cool. Yeah. There's plenty of debris strewn about and, you know, mud mounds and fallen logs and trees. Covers a no brainer in this one. Concealment in a swamp. Come on. We've got oodles of it. Difficult terrain. What? You don't even have, it's mud, baby. Muck all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) hide sinking mud hazards in your mud difficult terrain maybe you know the mobility enhanced scout doesn't worry too much about a little mud on his boots wants to jet across the difficult terrain it's no big deal guess what it just got a lot bigger sucking mud (laughs) sinking sucking mud (laughs) (laughs) maybe use a skill challenge to help give your party more advanced tactical information about the map maybe if they succeed on a skill challenge at a certain degree it's like oh you can see these parts oh there's like a there's a nexu trap that's been hooked up in the back where for hunting or for trapping animals oh this part of the of the marsh is clearly much deeper than other parts you can tell from your life science um physical sciences check i almost fell into that hole again wait 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 (laughs) for for what for mud for a deep a deep mud hole Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, okay. I'll let you scrape by on that one. <laughs> what you do is you have the, oh, maybe weapons are hard to come by in this adventure. So that's why you've got the outlaw tech to give you that extra edge. And then maybe the enemy's weapons are also outlaw tech upgraded. And it's like, whoa, these are really be great for the player. It's a great loot system built in, especially in a survival for the greater good sort of campaign. Certainly. And. You know, going down our list here, egresses, you're outside, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> hazards, 
pick three from jungle hazards that you like and that you want. Skills, we just went over. Elevation, and the bonus one, enemy diversity. We've already got enemy diversity, and we've already got elevation as well. Sure I'm do. loving this encounter. All it needs is a map. Yeah, all it needs is a map. And some players to play it. <laughs> all it needs is a map, dear listener. If you and if you find a cool map, we'd love to shout it out on the show. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh, on the subject of giving players information prior to an encounter, I love getting my map ready and then going into GIMP and just cooking up like a distorted, like kind of techie, like scan lined, blue, glowy version. Yes. I love when you did this. Yes. Exactly. So right. It's so fun because like, oh, yeah, you know, here's the rough shape of the map and every hiding place in it. Go crazy. Like I don't yeah. even I don't oh, even man. necessarily think about what the player is going to do with that info. I just love showing them the vague shape of a map. Maybe the bounty posting came with like a last known location. Yeah, it's like a a really primitive scan of like the crime den and the surrounding swamp area. Oh, it's so good! Wow, this was a this was Stephen. This was an out of the park episode. I'm not gonna lie, it was a home run on this. I agree. One. It was really fun thinking of stuff. We came like in this. on the fucking tight on the trapeze. And we took the net away halfway through the episode, and brother, we landed that shit. Parry it off the fucking handle, brother. Exactly, exactly. Uh, before we wrap up the show, Stephen, I have a little game for you. Oh, I love games. It's not our normal name that NPC or I literally kill you. This is a game I call Concept R's and Concept Arts, a game about concept art. Okay, you know I love concept art. Exactly. If you're anything like me, you know I love concept art. I have three pieces of concept art ranging from easy, medium to hard, and they are each tied with a Star Wars media. Stephen, your your mission today, and you along you can play along at home as well, listener. I'm gonna link all these in the description. Uh, your mission today is to find out what Star Wars media this concept art is for. Oh, that's awesome. I thought I was going to have to name the artist. I was like, oh, oh fuck, fuck I, no. I, no, I wouldn't I, do that I, to you. I only know two Star Wars concept artists by name. Like, please. I have, we have the, um, I have the artists all on hand just for fun. It's always Great. fun to source your art as well. So these are going to be in a Google Doc for people to look at. And then I, on the next page of the Google Doc will be the sources so that people don't have to cheat in order to play the game with all at home. Steven, looking at, Piece number one. This is my easy one. This is a gimme. Let's see here. Let me open that up. Oh, this is concept art for Empire Strikes Back, of course. This is concept art. Yeah, you are correct, Stephen. We've got a character standing in sort of what looks like could be an elevator of some sorts. We've got guards with big sticks. We've got a Sam. That's a, a cage. It's a cage. You're right. It is it's a cage. blatantly a cage. It's Han Solo imprisoned in a cage. Uh-huh. We've got I'm going to fucking Vader. beat you to death. I'm so no. glad I was never in art class with you. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, man. Well, listen, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going to beat pre- you with a stick. That's clearly a proto <laughs> fucking Boba Fett right there. Yeah. Well, it's, so, yes, you were right, Stephen. Your keen eye. That is Ralph McQuarrie's Boba Fett design. We've got this is concept art for The Empire Strikes Back by Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, we've got what I think is super sick is these Bespin guards kind of got like a, a riot gear, police Very riot gear cool. thing going on. We got a weird fucked up alien on the left. Uh, we've got, I love the lines 
that Ralph McQuarrie gives Vader. Like his isn't, Vader's so cool. Isn't it striking? Like the, the, it is so piece, striking. This piece is is beautiful because of, of how well it's centered on on Han. But then if you if you look at this this trailing kind of negative space on the right side, you're treated to early Boba Fett wearing the man with no name poncho from oh, yeah. from the good the bad and the lucky and a okay. angular retro perfectly shaded Darth Vader and also Lando and dressed Lando in beautiful white and red i kind of oh. like this color scheme for him gorgeous satin sleeves oh yeah oh yeah if you'll notice these sort of egresses on the side there they're very reminiscent of the elevators in Revenge of the Sith oh sure enough they look just like him yeah all right, Sam. Well, that was, a, easy. That was the easy art one, podcaster. Steven. Yeah, yeah, come on. So, so how dare we appreciate Star Wars in its whole and not just the, for the fucking tabletop aspect? <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at number two. Steven, this is our second piece here. We've got what looks to be oh. a beautiful field at sunset with some planets in the background, some buttes, some rock formations, and what looks to be a small homestead. Steven, this is, our, this is my medium one, so this one's you know, okay. it's not easy. So is this, it's it's only Star Wars films, right? That you chose concept art for? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm getting kind of Rogue One vibes here. I'm going to say Rogue One. You are correct, Stephen. This is Rogue One. Oh, wow. Very good. Okay. This is you know the why Urso I, Homestead. I guess that, okay. See, I thought of the Urso Homestead in the film when I saw this, and that's why I said Rogue One. This is a very different vibe than we got in the film. It's at sunset. The Urso Homestead we see in the film is... Gray. I gray love dour. the final version of that in the movie with the, the black sand beaches and the like the oh, yeah. salt fields and the, oh, yeah. you know, the, but this is, this is, this is nice. This is pretty. This is almost, you know, a little too nice, I think, for like a, 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 <laughs> a hideout. For, for an ex imperial designer. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go live in a nice place. <laughs> uh, but I, I can practically see and, and feel the, the wind coursing through the, the, uh, the wild grass here. And I, I'm just always obsessed when there's more than one celestial body in the sky at a time. Absolutely. Three moons it's of, so good. Uh, it's so good. Three moons of, of one of which at least, or maybe two of which are like non plausible size. Uh, but that, that's the best <laughs> part of, of star Wars, baby. I agree. What's actually fun fact, uh, you talked about the black sandy beaches. Mm-hmm. That was actually the backup location for filming that scene. Really? And they stuck with it because they like the vibes more. Wow. Very nice. Do yeah. you know what, what the primary uh, location was? No idea, but it is a lot closer to this concept art with like a lot of grass and fields and stuff like that. Very cool. And Steven, our last one for this game, round three for this game tonight, our hard concept art. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to describe what you're seeing here for the listener? Yeah. I'm seeing a large invertebrate, um, uh, almost spider-like with, uh, with a, a, a hammerhead shark head and a, a, a like flat catfish-like body. Um, I'm getting a lot of bioluminescence vibes as well from the yeah, water here. The scene is is dark. Uh, there's a single source of light positioned above and behind the the large central aquatic creature, uh, and there's a lone uh, person here, a humanoid holding a, a dim lantern. If you told me, if, if if since I already told you it was from a movie, if I didn't tell you it was from a movie, my ass would have been like, "This is Fortune Leashed concept art." That is exactly the- what I was thinking. 
this is Force Unleashed or like, or I'd be like, oh, this is Jedi Survivor or Jedi Fallen Order or something it, like that. It's very much, it's strongly evoking video game concept art. Yeah. This is the hardest. This is the hard one, Steven. So I, I don't blame you if you get this wrong. I'm not, I might not be able to pin this down to a single film, but I can definitely say that it is without a doubt sequel era concept art. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're right. It is sequel era concept yeah. art. You want to okay, take a shot good. in the dark? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. You're right, Stephen. It is Holy Rise of Skywalker shit, concept God art. Damn. Oh um, my God. This I, was... I just realized something else about this. Do you see the the face and the ear on the? Oh yeah, it's like sleeping on a on another bigger thing or oh, something like that. Or it's part of something crazy. else. Crazy, that's kind of creepy. I love it. It could it's be like really a statue, good. maybe. So, listener, what does that have to do with Star Wars tabletop games? Pull up cool ass Star Wars concept art and use it in your campaigns, either as set dressing or to inspire your next story beat. All that stuff because people made it with Star Wars in mind. I do and it all that the time. Means, exactly. Steven does all the time. I love doing it as well. Yeah, so I, I follow uh, Star Wars concept art on Twitter. I don't remember the actual app, but it's an app that does. It's an account that posts Star Wars concept art. And nice. the reply to this one was, wow, what a cool creature. Can't wait to see how this turns out in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool concept art for Star Wars. If you have not seen it, my only complaint, and if I'm going to get in the soapbox, let me just borrow it really quick. Oh, yeah, here. A lot of modern Star Wars, including the shows, the concept art literally looks like stills from the show. And it doesn't really feel like (laughs) concept art at all. It feels like things they made after the fact. (laughs) It just feels so bad, man. Like, oh, oh, here's concept art from the book of Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. It's just Boba Fett doing Boba Fett things. Concept art from the Mandalorian. Hey, look, it's Grogu. I'm like, this fucking, what is the concept here? This is a storyboard, if anything. All right, I'm, right? Put, I'm putting the soapbox down. Oh, thanks. I'll take that back. <laughs> uh, well, th- good job, Steven. You won the game. There w- this was a death game, by the way. If you did lose, I was going to kill you. I did not tell you. Because oh, I'm glad like- you told me now. God damn. Well, you won, so you're good. You're alive this time. Next Thank time, God. maybe not. If, let me know what you think about this, listeners. If you hate this game, we won't do it again. If you like it, let me know. We might still do it if you hate it. Uh, we, I, I like it. Because so you like might, it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it. Yeah, I like looking fair. at pictures. That's fair, don't we all? Steven, do you have any trivia for this week? Solo is the first and only Star Wars movie where no one says Jedi. What the hell? Yeah. No, there isn't even a character that's like, hey, Jed, I think that you're pretty sweet. <laughs> All right, let's call it there. Whoa, Solo's, what do you mean Han Solo's friend, Jed? And he's like, Jed, I don't think you know what's going on here. And he's <laughs> so Aren't bad. you clever? Aren't you just nope. the cleverest? Nope, I'm little, not. I'd pinch your cheeks if I could. Aw, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, the Dark Times Song Edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Tell someone about the show and tell us you told about the show and tell your table about the show and tell us you told your whole table about the show. And we'll shut you guys all out on the show. Send us in your cool maps for our... Stephen, do we have like a... Do you want to think of a name for this like a little campaign we came up with? Like something like... Uh, Ixon Crisis. 
Ixon Crisis, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I was going to say shatter, uh, Shattered Polarity or something like that. I don't know. That's not as good as Ixon Crisis. Oh, man. <laughs> she Ixon on my Crisis. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, man. If you have a cool name for our little campaign and a cool map for it, send it our way and we'll shout you out next episode. Uh, next, speaking of, next episode will be out. Today is the 14th Happy Palpentine's Day. Uh, next episode will be out February 28th. That's going to be two weeks from now. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I accept it. Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian from Solo. <laughs> uh, the pro- possibly the best casting in Star Wars history. Uh, that oh, movie should have been about him. Uh, are, Act circles they, around fucking what's his name? Uh, Aldrich, uh, Evan Bright, or whatever the fuck. Is that his name? Aldrich? No, uh, I think, fucking I, no I, I think that's the popcorn guy. Hold on. <laughs> that's Orville Redenbach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Aaron. Alden. His name's Alden. Really? Oh, he was an Oppenheimer. Did you or did you not make a bad Star Wars movie? (laughs) 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 Good night, everybody! (laughs) You love love saying that, huh? I do it all the time. La 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 la.